0: Minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning, as the war machine keeps turning, death and hatred to mankind. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scar, I'm hosting today's program. First of all, I'd like to thank all those people over the past uh, three and a half weeks who've sent their condol- condolences regarding the uh, death of my partner and wife for the last 43 years, Ellen Jose. It does help, it does help uh, hearing from people all over the place, you know. It does help to make it bearable. And uh, me and my family, my family and I, we're very, very grateful. And we're grateful for all those people who uh, attended the funeral on last Friday. And uh, we're grateful that you're all there to uh, celebrate um, Ellen's full and fruitful life. And uh, I consider you to be part of our family. I mean, everybody... Has different families. It's not just genetic families. You've got work families, interest families, hobby families, radical families, political families. We all tend, or we have in the past, I don't know, these days with the net where, you know, you've got all these virtual friends. But um, it has been a great comfort to us to know that so many people respected and loved Ellen Jose. And as I've said before, we'll be setting up the Ellen Jose Memorial Trust in the next few months. Obviously, there's legal things we've got to do before it's established. And the whole purpose of the trust will be to keep Ellen's memory alive, because I remember when we first came to Melbourne in late 1976, all we had was an old station wagon. Two young kids strapped in the back. And we turn up here in a city where we didn't know anybody. And uh, forty-three years later, we are a part of this community, and uh, we're grateful, very grateful. That so many people have expressed uh, their sympathy. And obviously, the uh, ceremony on Friday was also uh, was also streamed live, and I assume it's still up there somewhere on the net for all those people interstate and overseas who knew Ellen who. Uh, Couldn't come to a funeral Uh, The family, the children and I And uh, the great aunt and a niece We um, cremated her this Monday And we um, went to the crematorium We sat there We watched the coffin go into the uh, the crematorium And we sat there for about half an hour Because the last thing Ellen would have wanted Would have been to be alone At that period in her life So thank you very much And as I said last week and the week before We mourn and organise Not like the old anarchists who used to say Don't mourn, organise We mourn and we organise And we use that experience and that pain And that suffering and that joy To continue that work To create an egalitarian community A society where power is devolved And wealth is shared an anarchist society a society without rulers. So I thank you very much. All right, let's move on. Because there's a lot of funny things happening in the world today. Today we're going to join dots. And we're going to talk about Australian values. Because I'm a bit confused. Now I'm getting old. So I must be getting doddery. And I hear all these you know, people talk about Australian values. Oi, oi, oi. Aussie, Aussie, you know? Oi, 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 Aussie, Aussie. I'm thinking to myself, Australian values. Do we have any Australian values left? When the Eureka rebels were massacred, on the 3rd of December, 1854, they had a vision. They had a vision of an independent Australia, that our vision, which was encapsulated in the Eureka Oath, we swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. This is 1854, not 2017, where we're fighting to overturn those Australian values. We. Not white Anglo-Saxon males with long hair, but we, we, each and every one of us. And the thing about the diggers and the diggings all over Victoria and in Ballarat, although people are attempting to rewrite that history, you know, to uh, you know, reclaim it as some type of racist rebellion, the thing about that rebellion, it was an inclusive rebellion. Men and women from all cultures all religions, all backgrounds, together fighting tyranny. We swear by the Southern Cross. Why the Southern Cross? Simple. These were people in the main who'd come from the Northern Hemisphere. And when they camped out, and that's what the diggings were, tent cities full of refugees, Refugees from the European Revolutionary periods of 1848. Refugees, you know, freed slaves and escaped slaves from uh, North America who made their way to the gold fields. John Joseph, the first man who was tried for uh, high treason because of his uh, involvement in the rebellion, was a black man from New York an Afro-American from New York who'd made his way down here. And, and who, when he was acquitted, he was chaired through the streets of Melbourne. So this was a multiracial, multireligious rebellion. In the common grave in Ballarat at Eureka, you've got Jews, you've got Catholics, you've got atheists buried together, bonded Bonded together for eternity under that oath So when they camped out they saw the Southern Cross You can't see the Southern Cross in the Northern Hemisphere So we swear by the Southern Cross wasn't some type of religious analogy It was about claiming that this land now became their home And those of you who think The Aboriginal people in the Ballarat goldfields were persecuted, destroyed. Think again. Most of the destruction had occurred because of the squatters who had claimed the land for their sheep. And Rafael Caboni, one of the leaders of the Eureka Rebellion, had lived with the Aboriginal people for over 12 months before coal, coal was discovered. And in his play, Gilburnia, he highlighted how they were victims of British colonialism. The first recorded documentation of a European saying, these people are the victims of greed and British colonialism. So he swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other. And that's what it's about. Solidarity. Standing together. Standing together Standing up for the people around us Irrespective of what clothes they wear What language they speak What religious persuasion they are of, no Or of no religious persuasion We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other And fight to defend our rights and liberties These were refugees Many of these were political refugees From the revolutionary upheavals which occurred in Europe in 1848 These were, many of these people were victims you know who had fled colonial colonization they understood that they were born with inalienable rights that no state no government no business could take away these were their inalienable rights and in order to protect And reclaim these rights They understood That at certain periods in history You need to fight To reclaim those rights and liberties So why am I bringing up The Eureka Roof in 18 You know 100 and what 70 years ago Why am I talking about that today In 2017 Because this is what Australian values are about Australian values are about Inclusiveness Australian values are about solidarity with people, not because of, you know, they belong to a specific religious persuasion or a specific racial group, but solidarity. That's what Australian values are about. Australian values are about protecting those rights and liberties each and every one of us was born with that our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will continue to be born with, irrespective of how much repressive legislation exists on this planet. Irrespective of how many rights and liberties are removed in this so-called fight against terrorism. This is what's about. What's the point? of legislating away rights and liberties to protect us from people who want to remove our rights and liberties. These are Australian values. Australian values aren't exclusiveness. Australian values aren't forcing people to speak some, you know, pass some highfalutin English exam, which most of us wouldn't pass. Australian values aren't about denying people citizenship. Because what we are seeing is a very concerted political campaign to remould the Australian nation in the very same manner of those who exercise power today. Because who will be excluded? The refugee. The resident with a poor education the resident whose first language is not English, the type of people who normally, once become citizens, take their responsibilities seriously and vote. And don't vote for the corporate sector or their apologists in Parliament, the Liberal National Party and to a lesser degree the ALP, but tend to vote for people who will give them a better chance at life and their children a better chance at life because migration is basically an act of sacrifice. You come to this country and you sacrifice your future and your connections in order that your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren get a, can get a toehold in, in life. That's what migration is. It's an act of love for your descendants. So why don't we talk about the Australian values that are important? Not these glib, nationalistic, racially orientated slurs that we, you know, we consider to be Australian values. They're not Australian values. They've never been Australian values. When you look at society today, you think to yourself... Is it an Australian value that one in three Australians rely on social security benefits to survive? That a million children are under the poverty line? That young people can't get their foothold in the housing market because housing has now become another commodity which is bought and sold to make profits for investors, both local and overseas? Is Australian values the total... Ignorance of what's happening in Indigenous communities across this country, both uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. Is that Australian values? Is Australian values to see the most poorly paid workers lose overtime rates and to see Parliament vote to, to not... Change that decision by the fair work the Unfair Work Commission And when Turnbull gets up and down that little man, Mr Turnbull, that little stunted intellect, gets up and down, you know, in Parliament and carries on about Australian values, does he know what an Australian value is? Isn't Australian value to rip off your neighbour? To allow corporations to dominate our economic system? To pauperise micro and small business in this country? Is it an Australian value that we don't tax the corporate sector, irrespective of the little pleasant little ads that appeared, you know, on television and newspapers recently about how they've tightened up legislation? It is is it an Australian value that the nation runs on the taxes which are earned from the sixty five percent, sixty-five cents in every dollar of tax raised comes from pay as you earn taxpayers unless the 12 cent comes from the corporate sector is it australian values that we you know that we marginalize people because of their religious persuasions it is is it australian and i can go on and on what are australian values and to me australian values are what Is encapsulated in the Eureka Oath. The values in that oath, and that's why on the 3rd of December we celebrate that through the the Reclaim, the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations. An organisation which started celebrating in 2002 when Ellen and myself went to Ballarat in 2001 to take part in Eureka celebrations. Nothing happened in the city of Ballarat a city dominated by conservative reactionary councillors who have never invited Ballarat Trades Hall to any function at the Ballarat City Council, a council that continues to be dominated by these types of people. Nothing. They said, oh, well, there'll be something happening on the first... And I said, this is not good enough. Ellen said something needs to be done, and we did do something together. We commenced the Reclaim, the Radical Spirit, of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations group in 2002 and since then we have been celebrating those Australian values which are encapsulated in the Eureka Oath. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. Is it Australian values to push homeless people around because there's no accommodation? Is it Australian values and i'm only talking about victoria because i don't know the exact figures in the other states the 6 billion dollars that is raised from stamp duty which is raised from the sale of properties is used to you know fix roads not used to create significant public housing stock you could you could build 20 to 25,000 houses and units every year of public housing with that $6 billion. Within a decade, you'd have over a quarter of a million dwellings in this state, and the same could happen around Australia. But no. Is it Australian values to allow those corporate bludgers who are fat on taxpayers' money... To squeeze us of gas, gas which is taken out of this sovereign nation state, and then when the government attempts to do something, they say, "Well, it's going to hurt tax. It's going to hurt you know our shareholders. Who gives a shit about your shareholders? They don't give a shit about you. you now all they're interested in is making a buck. Is it Australian values when we talk about Gonski too? And I assume it will go through the Senate the next." Few days as the Greens negotiate, you know, if the government is it an Australian values that some private schools receive more public funding than public schools? If anybody who thinks Gonski marks two is a step forward, it is not a step forward. All it does is it fossilises all those agreements which were made in the past, which allows taxpayers' money to be showered on private schools and to see the Catholic education sector jump up and down, considering their history, considering all the evil that was dredged up in the Royal Commission on Institutionalised Child Abuse, you really have to ask yourself, is that Australian values? So what are these Australian values that Malcolm Turnbull, that little man who can't even control his own political party, what are the Australian values he talks about? What are those values? And when he talks about them, what has occurred in legislation to make those values a physical reality? Why are People on employment benefits. They love to call it New Start Allowance. <laughs> People on disability support pensions. People on single parents uh, benefits. Why are they being targeted by the robocop who finds debt everywhere? Well, old age pensioners have been excused because they know that if they upset the old age pensioners, they've got problems. So what are your Australian values? Is it... Aussie, Aussie, oi, oi, oi. Are we reduced to barracking at some sporting complex and that is our values? Are we reduced to waving the union jack in the sky? Is that an Australian value? Are we reduced to allowing the corporate sector to dominate the parliamentary agenda and to pull the parliamentary strings? Is that an Australian value? Of course it's not. Of course it's not. If you want to talk about Australian values, go back to the Eureka Oath, the germ of an independent, strong, Republican Australia. Three of the ties of the old world. There to create a new world. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other, and fight to defend our rights and liberties Listen to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network My name is and I'm hosting today's program This program is podcast, that's right If you missed it, nature cools, you've got a weak bladder Asia knocked on your door Terrorist squad's out there Maybe a parking ticket, maybe the sheriff's there Maybe the neighbour wants a cup of sugar should admonish that now for wanting a cup of sugar. Well, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Like the podcast, send it to your friends, send it to your enemies. I don't care. I don't care anymore what you do with it. It's up to you. Because the purpose of this program is not just to provide analysis. The purpose of this program is to help you to organise. Now, we are seeing... Around the world, a little bit of pushback against the globalisation, corporatization, privatisation, deregulation revolution that has occurred across the globe over the past four decades. For every revolution, there's a counter-revolution. And we can see the germs, the embers of this counter-revolution. And these embers are what will reinvigorate the democratic tradition. Not just in terms of parliamentary democracy, which is a concept which is losing credibility across the globe. Look at the French parliamentary elections. I think 42% bothered to vote. Look at Trump's victory. 25 million people out of, you know... You know, less than 50, I think about 52% bothered to vote in the presidential election. This is not just apathy. It's disillusionment. It's disillusionment with the political process. A political process which is dominated by people who promise you everything and deliver nothing which is dominated by that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. The 1% percenters. my apologies to the outlaw biking gangs who like to call themselves, think of themselves as the 1% percenters. nah. The damage you cause is infinitesimal compared to the damage caused by that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication who lord it over you every day, although you may not realise it, every day. Every day you go to 21st Century Fox and download a movie. Kaching, ching ka-ching, ka-ching, a few more coins in the Murdoch pocket. Think about it. Is that what you want? Every day you pay a bit on the internet to look at their garbage. Kaching, ching ka-ching, ka-ching. Every day... You buy one of their papers, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. And it's just so ubiquitous, so all-encompassing. Most people don't even understand what's happening. So what can we do? What can we do? Look, I can wax lyrical for hours, hours, days, weeks. That's not going to change anything. It may encourage you to do something. It may not. So what can you do? Now you can do, th- become involved in the things we're involved in or if you're interstate or overseas or you're not happy with what we're doing here, well then you can form your own groups. But they they should be based on two principles, two principles, two principles which are embodied in the Eureka Oath, which are embodied in the anarchist tradition, which are embodied in the democratic tradition which are embodied in the republican tradition and those two principles are the devolution of power that means breaking down hierarchy that means involving people who are decision effects in that decision making process that means holding wealth in common and using that wealth for the common good, the many not the few the many not the few, so eighteen months ago, we formed public interest before corporate interests, and things have been going a bit slowly with public interest before corporate interests because people are so disillusioned they think nothing will ever change. Well, if people fought like that when the anti slavery movement began three centuries ago, or when the movement to create trade unions occurred two centuries ago, or when the movement for women's rights and the women's suffragettes occurred a century ago, nothing would have changed. We'd still be working in the mines. We'd still be getting drunk in the gin palaces and lying on pieces of straw. Change comes when you begin to take action. And I've heard every excuse in the world, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'll, I'll join you when I retire. You know, I haven't got time. Obviously I haven't got time. That's the whole purpose of life, is to get you running on the spot like a little mouse on a treadmill until you die of exhaustion. And then when you've got time, you're too exhausted to do anything. So, I mean, public interest before corporate interest, it's not going to, you know, change the world overnight. But it is a mechanism by which to put the needs of the many before the needs of the few. It's a mechanism. It's an organisation which would like to be registered as the Federal Political Party to actually change the debate because if you look at all the minor parties, the smaller parties in parliament, Federal Parliament today and most state parliaments, they're all about sectional interests. They're all about hate. They're all about division. They're all about turning Australians against other Australians. That's what they're about. We've seen the domination of the parliamentary process by Senate crossbenchers in the federal parliament who are all about hate and division. I mean, public interest before corporate interest is about inclusiveness. It's about working together. And we are looking for new members because we need 550 members on the electoral roll before we can make an application to register a federal political party. Currently we have 331 members on the electoral roll who have given us all the details we were required to use their membership to apply for registration, but we still need about 220 new members. And we need them quickly. We need them before the end of the year. Because I think that Mr Turnbull, that little man... He's under such extreme pressure from his own parliamentary party that he's going to go to an early election late next year, maybe August, September next year, because he knows that if he doesn't go to an early election and the polls don't improve, that he will be knifed in the back. He knows that. And he doesn't care about the Liberal National Party. He's independently wealth enough not to give a shit about those ideologues who are giving him so much trouble, you know, ...in Parliament today. He doesn't care about them. So he'll go early. So in order for us to have an impact on the federal level... ...we need to go early. We need to increase our visibility. And obviously public interest before corporatists... are involved in the public housing struggle. And if you are in Melbourne... ...between 1 and 3pm this Saturday... That's right, this Saturday, at 11 High Street in Northcote, there will be a demonstration against the forced eviction of people from public housing to redevelop these sites, not as public housing sites to which the people who have been evicted will be able to return to, but will be redeveloped as business opportunities for the private sector, For every one public housing unit that we build, four private houses will be built which will be sold by that corporation on publicly owned land which they get the title to. This is a huge issue across this country. The fact that the privatisation of public housing by both the Liberal National Party and the Labor Party is a huge issue. Especially in a period where it's impossible, especially if you're young, to get a deposit together as you're trying to pay off your hex debt to get your foot in an overheated property market. So that's what we're here about. We support that struggle, public interest before corporate interests. We're going to have a public housing forum at Seaford in Victoria on the 23rd of July. That's a Sunday. But more importantly, joining is easy. We need 220 new members within the next three to four months. 15 new members a week. Not a huge task. And to do that, members, including myself, of public interest before corporate interest, are willing to go anywhere in Victoria to address picnics, to address public meetings, which you are able to organise. We're happy to help you advertising those events. Now, as far as interstate travel is concerned, if you're listening to this interstate, we don't have the resources to go interstate. But if you can pay our fare to and from, we will speak at a meeting that you have organised because this is a national issue. It's not just a state-based issue. This is a national intru- issue about putting the public interest, the interest of the many, before corporate interests, the interests of the few. And if people are a bit bamboozled by the words public and corporate, it's very simple. Public, the many. Corporate, the few. And we have a topsy-turvy world where the interests of the few dominate the political, social, cultural agenda in this country, while the interests of the many are set aside, ignored, and we quibble and fight amongst each other on the basis of racial origin, on the basis of religion, while they just, you know, go ka-ching, 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 getting richer and richer as we fight each other, you know, in these useless battles about nothing in particular. Think about it. So, joining is easy. You can do a number of things. You can leave a, a message, leave a contact address, and we'll send you an application form on 0439, 395-489 04-39-395-489 395-489 39 You don't have a phone? You got a pen? You got a stamp? You can write for an application form to Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 You can email us at info at pibci dot net very simple info i n f o at pibc pibci dot net you can download the application form by going to the website pibc dot net very simple it is not difficult it is not hard to join it doesn't cost anything well we you know we're happy to have members who are on the electoral roll and who are not on the electoral roll because it's not just a party political based group. We're also an action group. On the last Wednesday of every month, we have a rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House from 12 to 1. And after that, we we, uh, move to an adjoining park for a uh, picnic and get together with our membership and people who are interested in joining Pipsy. So if you are a member, come along to these rallies. Last Wednesday of the month. Next one will be on the... 28th, 28th of June. Join us. And don't forget about organising that picnic. All you've got to do is pick a location and a time. Have a chat to us before you advertise it. We'll see how, what we can do to advertise that meeting because we have supporters everywhere. They may not know it, but obviously society, communities, a sovereign nation state, is about looking after the interests of the people in that region or that area. And our political masters have forgotten that is their primary role. It's not just to provide physical security from terrorist threats, but to provide social security in terms of internal cohesion to provide environmental security in terms of trying to create a sustainable energy system. It's about creating economic security by ensuring that no one has to be homeless or lives below the poverty line so other people can make extraordinary profits. That's what's calling putting the dots together, joining the dots, dot, 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 dot. We all know the dots. We all know where the dots are. We all know that through our own personal experiences. We all know where those dots are. But we don't know, many of us, how to join those dots. People lash out but don't understand who they're lashing out at and why. The person who wants to build a church or a mosque, you know, down the road that's that's not that's not the issue it never has been It's the type of issue that the ruling class loves because it justifies their existence. Terrorism is the aphrodisiac of the state because it justifies their existence it justifies their existence. but how about the terrorism of the state? Against the individual and against the community when these people when we organize and demand that they no longer brut that they no longer brush the bread comes off the corporate table in our direction that we demand to be sitting at the table and cutting up the cake so that everybody everybody can eat cake and my apologies to Marie Antoinette that everybody can eat cake, and we can all eat cake. But again, it takes courage. It takes courage. It's easy. It is easy to sit back and say, woe is me, woe is me, I'm consumed by grief. I could say that today. I could not have, you know, I didn't feel like coming in today. Because I am consumed by grief. But as I said before, we mourn and we organise. You can be consumed by grief for your own personal situation. The situation you find yourself in. You've been hitting your head against too many brick walls. Things have become almost too difficult. You don't know where you're going to, oh, the next bill's going to be paid. You're sick and tired of being pushed around. Well, this is an opportunity to join with like-minded people to reclaim our birthright. That's right. It's not their birthright to exploit us. It is not the corporate world's birthright to exploit us for their, ma- for the, you know, the, for their major shareholders, for the profits of their major shareholders. It's not the state's birthright to push us around because we want a more egalitarian community. We want a more democratic society. We're interested in having uh, politicians, who, representatives, who actually represent our desires and needs, not the desire of the political parties that pre-select them. And see, Australia is in a particularly difficult situation. We are in a very difficult situation. We don't have the constitutional protections, which makes President Groper of the US of A look like a fool, As the institutions and the people fight back, we don't have those constitutional protections. There are no constitutional protections in Australia, apart from the freedom of religion and possibly fair compensation if your land is compulsorily acquired by the state. The Australian Constitution is essentially a document that regulates the relationship between the central federal government and the state governments. Even local governments have no constitutional recognition. There is no constitutional right in Australia to free speech. We have an implied right to free speech during an election campaign. There is no constitutional protection of the right to strike. The right to strike has been legislated away in this country except during designated enterprise bargaining agreement periods. And if you strike outside those periods, you can be fined $10,000 a day. Unions can be bankrupted. You can be jailed. Don't believe me? Look at the bloody legislation. Why do you think the trade union movement is so weak? Why do you think we allow that all that legislation came into place to destroy opposition to the corporate agenda, to remove all those regulations which were put in place to protect working people? When you hear the little man, Mr Turnbull, that's what I call him, the little man. The little man. The stunted little man. The little man. When you hear him talk about, oh, it was a Fair Work Commission to remove overtime rates for the most poorly paid workers in this country, think again. The Federal Government didn't even bother to make a case during the hearing at the Fair Work Commission. And when it came to this emergency vote 24 hours ago, almost to a man except one, man and woman except one, they voted to ensure that penalty rates are removed for some of the most poorly paid workers in this country. That is the type of policies the little man pursues while while assisting his corporate mates to get themselves drunk, to feed themselves on public money—public money, which to the large degree, the significant degree, is raised through taxation of pay as you earn taxpayers. I mean, these corporate giants are so full of of public money they have a vomitorium, like the good old Romans used to do in the good old days. You feed yourself, you know, to the gills and then you vomit. Well, that's it. More money goes in corporate welfare than people really know about. An extraordinary amount. When you get, if you pay taxes, like I do, and you get little form which tells you where all the dollars goes, there's no section for corporate welfare. There's no section which tells you how much money goes to the pop. Cop, pockets of private corporations, public money. There's no section which tells you how much money goes into keeping the private health insurance industry afloat, $6 billion a year. There's no section which tells you how much public money goes into keeping the private school sector afloat. Can you imagine the Catholic school sector getting a lump of money and then they determine where it goes? a little bit like me determining where my taxes go doesn't happen you pay your taxes the government decides where your taxes go but if you're the catholic education sector you get a lump sum of money and you determine where the money goes this is public money public money and when a constitutional case was taken about using public money to supply private education guess what all the high court judges bar one, Justice Lionel Murphy, that's six against one, said, that's okay, because obviously their kids went to private schools. That's okay. And when we dismantle the social elevator, three university, the social elevator, which allowed people to be trained and retrained from all walks of life, if they had the talent, What do we do? Nothing. And when the Labour Party, under Keddie and Hawke, began the big deregulation, globalisation, corporatisation, privatisation revolution, which Fraser wasn't willing to begin, what do we do? We clapped. Yay! And when all the mutual societies were demutualised and people were given shares and they no longer controlled the company, what we, we do? Oh, yeah, i got 600 bucks, I can buy something. Come on. Generations, generations of workers' blood, sweat and tears. And when all those publicly listed organisations which provide services to the population were privatised mainly by the Hawke-Keating government, what did we do? Yeah, isn't it wonderful? Hey! You know? Prices are going to go down. Bullshit. Services are going to improve. Bullshit. I had to ring up somebody today to cancel something. I was taken to the bloody who knows where. Who knows where? As these corporations take jobs offshore as if we can't answer telephones and look at a computer screen in this country. Extraordinary. What an extraordinary state of affairs we find ourselves in in 2017 the lucky country, the lucky people, luck has nothing to do with it. If you win Tats Lotto, you know, say if you win Powerball, I know the odds there, 27 million to one, that's lucky. That's lucky. But to have a social security net which ensures, which used to ensure that most Australians didn't live in poverty, that's not luck. That comes from hard work. That comes from the sacrifices of generations of working people who struggled and fought and had strikes and occupations and demonstrations and sit downs to ensure the government of the day listened to their needs. When the Commonwealth Bank was formed in 1911 by one of the first Labor governments in the world, it was formed because ordinary people couldn't actually get money from the privately owned banks so that they could. You know, get a home, a roof over their heads. And when the Labor Party privatised the Commonwealth Bank in 1982, all hell broke loose. Not among the Australian people who said, yay, that's lovely. Because the only force in this country which kept the privately owned banks in order disappeared. And before you knew it, there were so many charges and fees that we didn't know what was happening. And all those of you who think that these wonderful, wonderful financial institutions, which got a government license, you know, to be here in this country, make their eight billion dollars or sixteen billion profits a year because of good management—bullshit. A significant part comes from fees and charges, and because there's no competition and no regulator, you know. So we, to a large degree, I have failed. And you have failed. We have failed to halt this juggernaut. We have lost the battle, but not the war. We have lost this battle. And we have lost it big time. Because for far too long, we have believed. And the key word is believe. Not fought, but believed. Believed. A little bit like believing in the leprechauns or the little people. We have believed that privatisation, deregulation, globalisation and corporatisation would lead us to the promised land. And as we march to the drumbeat of the corporate world, the line of people and the number of people that have been left behind grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger every day. And although we may be optimistic, and although we may be, our eyes are averted by all these peripheral issues around us, the key about our future lies ultimately in our hands and our ability to take action, whether it's extra parliamentary action or parliamentary action. That's where our strength lies. That's where your strength lies. Not my strength, your strength. I'm just a voice. I'm just a disembodied voice. One of many in this country. One of many around the globe that said, this is the wrong direction. We have gone up a cul-de-sac. We need to turn around. We need to change. We need to reclaim the democratic process. We need to reclaim our economic future. We need to reclaim our inalienable rights and liberties. We need to reclaim this. It doesn't matter how often you listen to the anarchist world this week. You will reclaim nothing until you become active, It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, if you're on the electoral roll, if you're not on the electoral roll, if you're a resident, if you're a citizen. It doesn't matter. The key is to become active. So I encourage you. Have a look at our websites, anarchismedia.org. Have a look at our websites, pibci.net. Download an application form to join public interest before corporate interest. The interests of the many not the interests of the many, not the few think about it. download the application form leave a message in o four three nine three nine five four eight nine o four three nine three nine five four eight nine leave a contact address we'll send you out our application form write to us at post office box twenty parkville three o five two look at the pipsi a Facebook page, public interest before corporate interests. Look at the Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page. Defend and Extend Public Housing. The next Defend and Extend Public Housing rally on the steps of Parliament House will be, on, I think, on Wednesday, the 5th of July, but I'll confirm that. Yeah, the first Wednesday in July, midday to about one thirty pm Think about it. You do have options. We still have options in this country. But before all these options are removed, we need to grab those options with both hands. Change comes from you taking action. And if you can't take action, you can always help financially so other people can take action to change society. It's about devolving power, which means equal power. It's about sharing wealth. Very simple. You want to live a society without rulers? Join us. Go to my personal Facebook page, Toscana, the number for the public. Toscana for the public. We've got a lot of things happening. On the 16th of July, we're going to have a lunch to celebrate the 160th anniversary of the Victorian land conviction held in Melbourne from the 15th of July to the 6th of August, 1857, three years after the Eureka Rebellion. Direct democracy in action. Think about it, lots of things to get involved in. Nothing happening in your part of the world. Write up a little sign, stand outside the bank. Say so it's, you know, your time has come, you know? Pay your way, pay your taxes. Cause a stir in your local little town. It's about time we had radicals in every town, egalitarian, people who want an egalitarian future in every town, in every city, in every suburb, in every square meter of this planet. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Listen to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Remember, community radio continues to play a significant part in the lives of many people around this country. It is an honour to be able to broadcast via the community radio network to reach so many people in every state and every territory in this great country. Not great now, but it can be great if we can work together to create that new world in our hearts. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national, and international events. Poisoning their brainwash minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.